When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into episode 158 of the Skate Podcast. I am Brian DeFelice, joined by Bridget Pru and Scott McLaughlin. And over the weekend, the Bruins, for the first time all year, lost consecutive games back-to-back. The first one was to Tampa Bay. We discussed that on the last episode. It was a great 40 minutes, and then a lackluster final 20 kind of cost them in that one. Then they traveled south to Sunrise, Florida, where... They almost snaked a victory away from Florida, I think, and we'll we'll talk about it. It wasn't the Bruins' best game, but they did score a goal in the final minute and then eventually gave that one away. And then uh, 23 hours later, they have to travel a little bit north to Raleigh, and they lose to the Hurricanes just from minute one to minute 60. They were, they were outplayed, outworked, out-executed, all that stuff. That said, the Bruins are off to... Historic start this year. Um, this is really their first trip up, and I think I speak for the entire podcast. Like nobody on this podcast is panicking at all. Um, but guys, I want to throw it to you. Have you learned anything about the Bruins in the last couple of games going forward? Well, I think kind of bigger picture, and and I feel like realistically, we already knew this, but it's definitely been confirmed and maybe more people will realize it now is that like, no matter what the standings say, the gap between the Bruins and other top teams isn't huge. Like there, there isn't, you know, it's not like, Oh, okay. Well, face the lightning in the playoff series, oh, they'll win in four or five. Like, no, like I think you look at teams like Tampa, Toronto, Carolina, you would still expect those to be long playoff series and tough series to win. And I felt like that before, but certainly after this three game stretch where it's like, all right, Tampa was right there with you and took the victory in the third period. Like that's a really good team that has won the conference three years in a row. Uh, Carolina. Now, you know, the Carolina game on Sunday, like I feel like that was their worst game of the three. And yet, also in a weird way, like sort of the least concerning because it was a back-to-back you're playing, you know, less than 24 hours after your last game, like, and obviously against a really good team with travel on the road. So you sort of expected that one, like, like the Florida one is the one that really got away. That's the one where I think you most feel like they should have won. I don't think Florida is quite as good as Tampa or Carolina. I do think, you know, they're obviously not bad. They're they're fighting for a playoff spot. Um, but getting that pass on our goal in the final minute and then letting it slip away because, honestly, they kind of just botched some basics in the defensive zone. They had two chances to clear and didn't. Carlo tried to tie the puck up along the boards with, like, 15 seconds left, which is just too much time to try to do that. Like, you've got to keep playing hockey at that point, and you know, the, the play that you should be making is to try to get the puck out of the zone, not tie it up and try to run the clock out. Um, so just a couple slip ups there. You know, I also thought 
Carlo got cross-checked, but I, I don't think the refs were ever going to call it in that situation. Um, so that's the one that got away. And then, but Carolina, yeah, it's a team that's been playing really well. And, you know, you catch the Bruins on the second of a back-to-back when they're struggling a little and they can beat you. Like we, we saw that team beat the Bruins plenty last year, both in the regular season and in the playoffs. So that would be my big takeaway is like, I still think the Bruins when they're, going and when they're healthy are the best team in the NHL but it's not like they're head and shoulders above some other great teams in the league and we've we've seen a couple of them during this three-game losing streak yeah and I feel like we were talking about it right before the road trip started that Carolina was probably going to be the the toughest game because it was a back-to-back but also because of the size and like you're playing against guys like Brent Burns and some some guys did end up getting pushed around a little bit more than um, we've seen the Bruins get pushed around in other games this season. So, and I know Brian, you noticed that as well. And another thing that you brought up in our group chat last night was, which was that um, Pasternak maybe had his worst game of the season. He did, but it's it's one of those things where obviously, you know, he's at 38 goals before the All Star break. Could get to 39 or 40 for all we know uh, on Wednesday in Toronto. He is one of the best offensive players in the world, but against the Hurricanes was one of those games where his turnovers, which he tends to have pretty frequently, despite all of his greatness as a player, um, cost him and cost the team on that Sebastian Alho goal. Now, now, for me, it's like it wasn't even just a David Pasternak thing. It's it, Carolina. There and Bridget, you just mentioned their size. We t- we've talked about it in previous episodes leading up to this this slate of games because I think the travel and the schedule is real. Like, I'm not in the business of making excuses, but the Bruins were set up for failure on Sunday in Carolina. I knew that they weren't going to likely win that game. It would have taken a miracle performance from Walmart or something stupid for them to – a power play goal maybe to help them win that (laughs) game. Um, But Carolina, schedule aside – and 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 fatigue aside, Carolina, this was not a one-off game, right? They've been giving the Bruins fits, especially in Carolina. The Bruins cannot play against this team in Raleigh. They look like they forget how to play hockey, and I really do think that a lot of that is because of the size and the compete factor of Carolina. And a news flash for Boston: Carolina is not getting any smaller come playoffs, and I do think. The roads of the Stanley Cup is going to have to go through a conference final in all likelihood against the Hurricanes. And that's why I more so look at them big picture. The Bruins have plenty of work to do before that, right? But I do think that you're not, you're not, this isn't the last of the Hurricanes that you will see this year. And um, their style of play, their size, um, it gives, it gives the Bruins fits like no other team in the conference right now. Yeah, and yeah. they just clogged up. Like, the Bruins could not make a single entry. Like, in the third period, it was just – it got ugly. Like, they had a really hard time in transition against that team. They played them really tightly, and they didn't give them any extra space, and that's how they played in the playoffs against the Bruins last year too. Yeah, it, both 5-5 five and five and on the power play. Like, they couldn't get entries. Um, and, I, you know, I'm sure we're going to get to the power play more too. Like, that was obviously a huge issue in these three games, going over 12. But, you know, in Carolina, I mentioned this like last week, I think 
also a team that could get a lot better because they have Max Pacioretty's $7 million now sitting on long-term IR. He's out for the season. They barely had him before he got re-injured. So that's a team with some money to spend at the deadline that can go out and make a big move, you know? And like I mentioned Bo Horvat before, it could be him. It could be someone else that we're not thinking of, but um, with so many teams really cash strapped and up against the cap, like there's one that actually has some money to be able to make a bigger move. So they're already a really good team and they certainly could get even better. To the point about the power play, like I, I don't think there's anything to panic about long-term and Montgomery said so um, in his post-game press conference against, or not press conference, but with Jack and Brick um, after the Carolina game was just like, our power play isn't going to look like this all the time. Um, This has just been a bad two games for us on the power play. So um, I don't, I don't see that being a huge long-term issue, but it just did not look good at all. Um, And I don't know what you guys' thoughts are on just how they weren't able to set things up on the power play against Carolina or what went wrong for them in particular against that team. Well, to me, it's not just that team. Like, Carolina does have a really good penalty kill for sure, and that's an issue. But, I mean, they went 0 for 12 across three games. So the problem started before Carolina and really seemed to just compound. Like, I don't know if they were getting in their – in their own heads, but the entries have just been so poor. Like guys just skating into traffic and turning it over, skating into the, to each other in the case of Taylor Hall and Hampus Lindholm on Sunday. Um, then they, like they tried to simplify it and started doing more dump and chase as Sunday's game went on. And that looked even worse because they, they were dumping in with no one having speed to go after it. And like, putting it in bad spots. Carolina was easily retrieving it and clearing it down. And it's just like, yeah, I don't know. Obviously they have to change something. I think the issue is more with them than any one penalty kill in particular, honestly, like Jim Montgomery. It's interesting. He kind of struck two different tones after Saturday and Sunday's games where Saturday night, when he was asked about the power play, he was, he was, about as critical as Montgomery gets, uh, which is obviously, you know, still not Bruce Cassidy levels of critical, but he said, like, basically, we got outworked. Uh, you know, our power play got outworked, and that's why we didn't have any zone time. And then Sunday, he struck a more optimistic note and said, uh, I'm not worried about our power play. We're too talented, and our guys are too determined. And it's like, all right, well, that's fine. Like, there's some truth to that. But also last night, like you told us that you got it worked. And I think that was probably the more accurate answer of what's going wrong in the power play. Um, I do think they'll get it figured out. Like to Montgomery's point, there is too much talent there. They've had too much success and these things happen. Like, like unless you're the Oilers and maybe even the Oilers sometimes, like you tend to go through ups and downs on the power play and on special teams in general you know, throw the penalty kill in there. Um, but you've got to do the work to make it right. Like it's not just going to happen. And right now the Bruins look like they're in a spot where it's almost like they're waiting for it to get easy again, instead of making it easy again. On the power play. I, I, I find that the Bruins are playing very individualistic as opposed to playing as a cohesive five man unit. And I think that look, Carolina is one thing 
we've talked about their size and their compete level. They take away time and space and they gap up pretty, pretty quick and pretty efficiently. But to Scott's point, this is not a Carolina thing. This is a Bruins thing. And, and they've struggled against other teams too, as, as of late. And I think there's a couple of key uh, philosophies on the power play that the Bruins just haven't been implementing um, in this recent stretch of struggles that they usually do. Right. And um, one of that is, you got to be strong in the face-off circle. Every power play starts in the attacking zone, and, and, and Bergeron's had a bit of a struggle lately in the dot. Now, what's the remedy to that? Well, nothing. You're not replacing Patrice Bergeron as a, as a center, as a face-off man. So he just needs to work his way out of that, and he will. Be, Second, be better at cheating like Steven Stamkos. Yeah, exactly. Um, secondly, you know, we've talked about it in the past. Create that – get that first shot on goal in the first 10, 15 seconds. Get the penalty kills going. And thirdly, retrieve pucks. The Bruins have been – you're supposed to outnumber your opposition on a power play when there's a loose puck. That's why you have the extra attacker. That's why you have the extra man. And the Bruins have been getting outnumbered on the on the power play, which makes no sense to me, and it speaks to a lack of hunger right now on the power play. And then lastly, Scott mentioned the transition game. Um, their entries have been terrible on the power play because they're coming with no speed, and, and, and they're trying to make – they're trying to make five foot passes at the blue line. Like what, what do you, what are you making a play for right when you cross the blue line? Like figure out who's, who's attacking the, uh, the offensive zone, go with speed. If you want to dump it in fine, but just be decisive. There's just too much indecision and, and pretty hockey out there. And it looks for, it makes for really ugly hockey. And I think a big um, factor as well, we haven't talked about, maybe you guys did when I dropped off for a second, the Bruins miss Jake Debrusque on the on the power play right now. His yeah, his his I was hunger, just gonna say that his hunger and 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 tracking down pucks, we can now definitively say he is much better at doing that than somebody like Taylor Hall. I noticed that as well. Yeah, especially when you're talking about retrievals, like that's an area where Debrusque has gotten so much better as, as that net front guy in the power play is tracking down rebounds, misses, you know, winning races into the corner. Um, yeah, they definitely miss him because. To, to your point, like, I think when Taylor Hall is on his game, he can do that. Like, I think we've seen that at times, but he's just in really all areas, not on top of his game right now. Um, and we've talked about this, you know, for a while now, even going back to when he was on the third line, they had started going quiet. He was going quiet. Um, they move him up to first line right wing. And the last episode, we were one game into that experiment and said, uh, you know, you he, yeah, he had a quiet game, but you give it another shot. Well, now it's been three games and it's continued to be pretty quiet and he still just looks like he's off his game. So, you know, I don't think it's really anything about what line he's on or what wing he's on. I just think he, he needs to get, he needs to find a way to get back to his game. Maybe, maybe it's going to take the all-star break. Maybe he needs a reset, but um, you know, clear. I mean, he, he got the goal the the one goal against Carolina on a tip of Zaka's shot. But for the most part, like he just hasn't been playing the way that we know he's capable of playing the way that he was playing earlier this season. Yeah. And you would think like he would, they've tried to spark him in, in different ways. And, and the only, the only thing they haven't tried recently really besides maybe a shift or like <laughs> at some point during like half of a change um, is putting him back next to Krejci because you can't, you, you just don't want to take 
Pasternak and Zaka. Like you don't want to split up the the check line right now, but that was how they had gotten him going in the past. It just seems like it doesn't make sense to do it right now um, to just get him going when, first of all, Zaka has been looking good uh, with Pasternak and, and Krejci right along. So um, that's, that's the one thing maybe they try. I'm, I'm not sure if that, if it's worth doing, right now because there's only one game like you mentioned just that game against Toronto before the all-star break and then they're off for a while so do you try it for a game I don't know you probably don't want to risk things at this point with a potential four game losing streak uh especially against a team like Toronto on the road so um and, and you would also expect like you give someone power play one time and that gives that should give you a much better chance of getting that goal. Like you'd, you'd want to see someone be able to use that um, opportunity and they have Hall net front and I'm not sure that's really where he's most dangerous, but it's not a bad place to, to try to score. I mean, you get the easiest goal is just taking a rebound off the pads or, or just taking a pass like backdoor down there. So, I mean, they're, they're layup goals that you get when you're playing when you're the net front guy on a power play, he just hasn't really, and we've mentioned this before. Sometimes the bounces haven't been great, haven't gone his way. Um, but he's been given chances on both wings and then on the power play net front, and it just hasn't – nothing seemed to really click. Yeah, and I mean, in his defense, like, they couldn't even get pucks to the net on the power play, so. True. Um, but then, you know, on Sunday, Montgomery did change that where he put Krejci up on the top unit in Hall's place, and – it basically looked like Marshan became the net front guy. Although, it, you know, sometimes that's more of a net side guy when it's him in that spot. Um, and then, you know, Krejci in more of a playmaking spot. Hall gets to play more on the flank on the second unit. Um, but still, obviously, nothing worked. I mean, you know, when you move Krejci up to that top unit, the the idea, kind of what you're looking for, is like him to control on the on the right flank. And then you have the three right shots that he can set up for one timers with McAvoy Bergeron in the bumper Pasternak on the opposite wing. But like, again, they just never even got set up. So you don't even get to take advantage of Krejci's playmaking in that situation. Yeah. And then you don't have him on the second unit, which like you probably want him centering your, your second unit and, and setting up plays on, on that. So you, you kind of take away the firepower of, of that unit too, when you do that. And you also and you also take away uh, speed on the top unit in zone entries, which like if 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 you're struggling to to get in the offensive zone on the power play, the last thing you want to do is put Krejci back there to to slow things down even more and just make and just it just creates too many options now. Now it's like, all right, do I want to go to Krejci or Pashnak or Martian? These guys because they're all capable, but they just like. They need to figure out like who their go-to guy is if, if all else fails and how they're getting into the zone because they just keep retrieving and and it's just causing a decision and it, it's just sloppy out there. Um, but you know, I, Krejci, I have thought at times Krejci has been a pretty confident like guy to carry the puck in though. Like he he might be a little yeah. slower, but at times like he's a good decision maker. So sometimes he's making the move like a short pass right when he needs to to, to get it over the line to Pasternak on the wall or just like. Yeah. able to find the gap. So I don't think he's he's hurting their entries really as much as um like we mentioned just kind of changing the dynamic of it where you'd 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 rather have him on the second unit and ideally you'll have the back. Um now Scott, 
he's he's most likely not playing in Toronto, right? Have we gotten an f- official confirmation yeah, it, on that? I don't know if that I don't think anything's official, but it certainly seems like they're just going to hold him out until after the All Star break at this point. Yeah, I mean, back to Krejci for a second. Like Bridget, you're right. His his his, his decision making when things are going well is, is is elite. I just think when the power play is struggling the way that it is, everybody's overthinking, and the last thing you want is to just make that more complicated with somebody who thinks the game is, is as much as Krejci does. Um, on Taylor Hall, do you guys find that there's just a lack of conviction and a lack of power to his game right now for such for someone who is such a strong skater, even at 31 years old, he's still in a in my opinion, a far above average skater speed wise in the, in the NHL. Um, and also off the ice, he's very built. He's very, he's a very strong individual. And I just find that there's a lack of conviction in his game. There's a lack of power, lack of net drive, a lack of confidence. And he's get he's on the ice a lot for somebody who has a skating ability and the strength that he does as, as an individual. And I don't know, I, you can chalk it up to lack of confidence or mid season blues or just like whatever, but it's, He's such he's such an important member of this team's depth if they want to win a Stanley Cup. Like he has to, he has to he has to remind himself what he's capable of because he's he's kind of cowering to to lesser players and losing a lot of one on one battles and it's you know at times just looks like a rookie out there lo- losing puck battles and it's just like well you're 31 years old you should be at the point in your career where you know you know if there's a loose puck you're gonna come up with that so I, that's something I've noticed I don't know if you guys have picked up on that of late either. Yeah, he seems he seems to be when he has the puck on his stick, he seems to be staying to the outside a lot and looking, you know, looking to set someone else up. And I feel like when he's really playing his best, he's taking in defenders and driving the net and using that speed to put defenders on their heels and you know create some chaos. Like even if it doesn't lead to a clean shot or you know a tap and pass across the crease, like it creates chaos and you know there can be a loose puck, there can be a good bounce, whatever. And right now it's almost like he's settling for pulling up, hanging out on the outside, you know, looking for someone else to make that net drive and not really putting defenders on their heels. Yeah, kind of waiting for guys to do stuff around him and, and to just try to dish it there without without doing a, um more for himself, I guess you could say. 